This episode of Radiant Others contains explicit language. Welcome back, everybody, to Radiant Others, a Klezmer music podcast. My name's Dan Blacksburg, and I'm really excited for today's conversation with Susan Watts. Susan Hoffman Lankin Watts. Susan is a fourth-generation klezmer musician and one of the best klezmer trumpet players I've ever heard from the past to today. You can hear her there in the background, and she's just wailing away at that trumpet. It's really amazing what she can do on the instrument. I'm really thrilled with today's conversation. We cover Susan's upbringing in Philadelphia and learning music around her family, especially from her mom, the legendary klezmer drummer Elaine Hoffman Watts, and all the way up through college and how she got into this klezmer scene, and all the way up to today when she's working on a really amazing project featuring an orchestra of all women playing klezmer, new klezmer compositions. Susan, and also her mom Elaine, are some of the only klezmer musicians I know, and especially ones that I've played a lot with, who come from an unbroken continuity with this music within their family. Most people who play klezmer either learned it through recordings or through working with people at a program like Klez Camp or Klez Canada, or if they're a little older, through some masters that they sought out and found. But Susan and Elaine just played this music in their home. It was just their family's music. And you can definitely hear that in the way that they play klezmer. The way Susan plays and the way Elaine played, for me, there's just been an ease to it, a comfort and a kind of undeniable authority to it. So I'm really excited about today's conversation. I think it's a good one. Before we get into it, I just want to remind everybody that it really helps if you go to iTunes and rate and review the Radiant Others podcast. If you tell a friend about it, if you post about it on social media, Really anything you can do to share it around and get more people listening to it, that'll be really great. It'll definitely help me get set up to do more of these. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Susan Watts. All right. Hey, Susan. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. You? So we're here in your big music room. Yeah. When did you build this room? Well, I didn't build the room. Right. I converted the garage into the room. That's great. Yeah. This is a great space. Thank you. I definitely rehearsed here and done some stuff. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like hanging out in here. Do you practice only in here? Yeah. When you were growing up, did you have your own practice room or was it like a communal practice room? Yeah, everything was in the living room. Everything there was, was in nowhere the room. to go. It was a little house. Where was that? In Penwin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know where that is? Not really. You know where City Line in Haverford is? Yeah. It's like the next light in. Okay. Yeah. So, but you don't remember there was nobody was living inside the city when you were growing up by that point. My grandmother lived on Lebanon Avenue in in like the West Philly near St. Joe's. Mm-hmm. And, but she moved really, while well, I was really young. Gotcha. So I'm assuming, you know, for people, if anybody who's listening to this who doesn't know, you come from a very musical family. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that you wouldn't play an instrument was probably completely outrageous. You were definitely going to play an instrument. Did you have a choice of what instrument you were going to play? No one ever told me anything. That's all that was around the house. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really have any toys. Yeah. I mean, I had some toys, but there was this humongous closet full of ancillary percussion and violins and, and accordions and trumpets and who needs anything else? I was playing that stuff. My mom was trying to teach me drums. There was a piano. I was plunking on that. Like, 
There wasn't anything else to do. Yeah, so it was all music all the time. <laughs> yeah. You'll have to think about that. You know, I mean, you need some more instruments at home. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, and, you, and your whole family, I mean, I saw your, I got to see your, at least one of your sisters play some music on piano. Yeah. That was pretty wild. Yeah, that's what my grandfather taught us how to do. I believe it. it yeah, and she does it just like he did it. It has the vibe. Yeah. I was so moved by that. Yeah, I, I love hearing her play that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's for real. You can't it's, make, there's something special, even though, you know, she's out of practice or, you know, any kind of number of things, like the the energy. Like, like she's something. not a musician, like she doesn't play the piano. Yeah, exactly. Like, and then she like sits down and plays this beautiful klezmer stuff. Totally. So when did the trumpet come in? When I was when I was little, I was like seven years old, and I was messing around in that closet. Yeah. And I pulled out my father's trumpet, and I put the mouthpiece on. I don't know how I knew how to put the mouth. Maybe I asked somebody. I don't know. I was seven. I was right. I could figure it out. So I put the mouthpiece on and I played and like, I basically sound like I sound now. I don't doubt that at all. Like I just played and I, and it was easy and it came out like sounded good. Yeah. (laughs) And I loved it. Yeah. And it felt like I was, it was my voice. Was, uh-huh. It was amazing feeling. And I was like, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. This is this is my this is my voice. Yeah. yeah. And the rest is history. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thanks for doing this episode. <laughs> hey, it was and, a pleasure. Uh, yeah. I got things to do, you know. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because when I was growing up, music wasn't the only thing that you could do around. It was like sort of, you know, we got to sing in synagogue. Had music class in school, tried piano lessons, didn't really take. It wasn't until later that it sort of became a refuge for me. Mm. But so I can't imagine. Like, yeah, it's interesting to think here where like what your what's your social activity? Music. Like, what's your art, personal activity? Music. Like, what's your artistic professional activity? Music. Well, I did other things like, um, I mean, but they were all artistic. Like I was on the soccer team for maybe like 15 minutes when I was in sixth grade. But then there was all this running, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and I was like, oh, got to go practice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) See you later, soccer team. Yeah. So I did that. But my mom, I went to art class, like drawing class. I went to art class. I Mm -hmm. did pottery. I, I went to Hebrew school. That was a that was like three times a week. Yeah, right. It was like a thing. Yeah, we. I remember being in so much Hebrew school. Yeah, took you a know. lot of time. I don't know if you did it like this, but for us, I think it was like it was like Thursday school. It was like Monday school, and there was Sunday school, and there was the thing they actually called Hebrew school, which is like a couple times a week. And they did Hebrew high school. Yeah, they got us for they got us for a long time. Yeah, yeah, it was. I was into it for a while, but then it sort of, it, it got tough. Yeah. We, but, you know, I was heard your, your mom always went to synagogue, like, when she was around, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, all through your life. Yeah, we were big synagogue goers. How does that translate into sort of, like, I mean, if you don't have to answer this, but, like, like how did it feel from a religious standpoint of view? It was like, we're Jews, we go to synagogue. Yeah, it was kind of like that. I mean, I had no... I had no, like, epiphanal moment as a Jew growing up. But, like, I had moments with all the things that we did. Like, that's where my moments were. Right. Like, my moments were going to Jewish camp in the summer and say, and drinking all the little cups of wine when right. we said Kaddish. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> because, how many of these add up to something? <laughs> because back then, you know, when I was, like, 11, (laughs) they still used wine. Really? So the future alcoholics ran back to the table. Oh, my God. How many could you get? And we just drank all the extra ones. (laughs) Probably added up to like (laughs) one cup of wine. (laughs) Really, it's amazing how little they fill up those little medicine things. Yeah. Whoever like 
was whoever was selling those things was like making a fortune. Yeah. <laughs> so like when you were playing music in school, did you play music in school? Oh yeah. What was going on? What'd you get to do? I I went when I was in third grade is when I started playing the trumpet. Right. And that's when my mom made sure that I was in school trumpet with the class trumpet lesson. She's like, you're going. Okay. (laughs) So I did everything in school. I played in every ensemble. I went to every rehearsal. I did, I did, even just as an elementary school student, I was in band. I went to the trumpet section rehearsals. Like I was, I didn't skip anything. Right. So you did orchestra, jazz band. Was there a jazz band? Mm Mm-hmm. Orchestra. I was in district jazz band. Oh, cool. In elementary school, they had a district jazz band. I was first trumpet in district jazz band. Amazing. Yeah. Playing all those high notes already. And we, and we, um, in district jazz band, we went to the, we went to play for the Pennsylvania Association of Music Teachers. Mm Mm-hmm. And... They they gave me a solo called Young Young Mister Trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> Little did they know. At that at that with of all this convention of music That's teachers, pretty funny. I was nervous. Yeah. Yeah. How'd it go? Oh, it was great. Yeah. Yeah, I got a standing ovation. Amazing. I was like, oh my god, this is ridiculous. This is great. Because I was so nervous and sure, I was sure I was going to fail. That's awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> when I got nervous and I was a kid, everything just went and I failed. I used to get bad stage fright. I would, really? Yeah. And I would get like seated, like two or three seats probably behind where I could play in like those kind of groups mm. for the most part. Because I didn't, um, until I got used to it, but it was because I would get so nervous at auditions and it would really affect my playing, you know? Oh, Yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. I get really nervous. But it doesn't affect your playing. Or does it? I don't get nervous while I'm playing. See, that's good. It goes away. I get nervous like before I'm playing. Yeah, I still get really nervous about 45 minutes before a show starts. Yeah. And I'll get these crazy ideas like no one's coming to the show, but it'll be like an hour before the show is supposed to start. (laughs) Like no one's here. I don't know what I'm expecting. (laughs) I mean, if it's a Klezmer show, you can kind of expect some older folks are going to show up about an hour before it starts. Right, 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 right. Otherwise, that doesn't make any sense. Right. So, all right. So, like, you get through, like, I'm assuming that basically just kind of continued through the rest of school. What? You know, just playing, playing, playing. That's all I did. Yeah. I played, I played. Um, I was in Delaware, Delaware County Youth Orchestra. I was in Philadelphia Youth Orchestra. I was, oh, yeah. I was Under, what was that guy's name? Primavera. Primavera. He was and still around when I was... I never got in. I auditioned for him once. Didn't go well. Well, I got in when I was 13. It must have been intense. It was crazy because everybody, all the other trumpet players were like in college. Yeah, and he was a very like Toscanini char- type character. Like He, he kind mean. of envisioned himself that way, right? I don't know. Just he like was, really mean and tough. He's well, mean. You know what he used to say to me? What? He said, you sound like a, like a, a 10 pounds of shit being pushed through a five pound bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny now, but it was not have been funny No, then. that was not funny. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you, like 14 or so? Did you do that all through high school? Well, he said it to a lot. He said it I mean, like to the section. You well, know yeah, what I mean? Sure. But, did ask me again? What did you say? I was like, did you do that? Like, did you were you in it for like? You said you got in there for when you were thirteen. Did you stay there for like three, four, or five years? Yeah, like, I stayed there till I went to college. Yeah. Playing with your mom at home all the time, 
like playing the klezmer stuff? Or did that not not how yeah, did that we, work? We it's not like we would play together. It was like when the family got together. The whole family. Yeah. All right. You know what I mean? Like my mom wasn't like, okay, come sit down and play Freelo Smith me. But right. like when we all got together, we played it out on jobs. Like I would well back then the union um made sure they had these green sheet jobs. What's that? Well, they made sure that you had a certain amount of gigs a year. Oh, okay. And so that number was like like three or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> that sounds like a really effective union, yeah. So you you go you go to like um mental hospitals and places like for um people with down syndrome and things like that and we used to play jewish there you know yeah yeah at those places so that'd be a couple times a year were you a member of the union at like a teenager oh yeah i'm still a member of the union no kidding no kidding that's cool yeah i have been offered to join once but they made it seem really not worth it it was a very it was a very bad sell I just think it's important to belong to the musicians' union. That's great. That's all. I would like to feel that way. I don't expect anything from them. See, that's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) I might. Yeah. But no, I don't, but then I don't join. Yeah. So. Yeah. So where did you go to college? I've actually never heard much about this period of your life. Okay. I went to St. Louis Conservatory of Music. Okay. And then I went to Temple. Okay. And then... I went to Philadelphia Community College. Then I went to Delaware County Community College. Then I went to Rosemont. Then I went to Rosemont again. Then I went to Bryn Mawr for a master's degree. And that's it. I'm done. You're done. You did it finally. <laughs> that's great. That's like your name. It just keeps going. <laughs> it just keeps going. <laughs> No more. Yeah, right? You know, you did it. <laughs> so what was it like? I mean, did you want to go to, like, music conservatory? or? Just... Well, I didn't think I... Ha- it wasn't if I wanted to. It was... I I mean, I never, like, thought of, any, of doing anything else. It's yeah. like, oh, I have to walk out of the house in order to get to the car. Right. It's like, oh, okay, I'm going to go to conservatory. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you know, it didn't, it, nothing else occurred to me. Well, that's not true. For for about 10 minutes, I, I, I told you I did pottery, mm-hmm. and, I, and I loved doing pottery. Yeah. And it was just a very, I loved it. And um, it was, I, I wanted to go to Alfred, which is a, uh, Alfred University, which is a big place for potters. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so for like a little bit, I was like, do I go for pottery? Do I go for music? You know, but that didn't last very long. Yeah, so, music. Yeah. One. What was it like? Was going to college, I feel like for some people, like for me, it was completely different than the musical world that I was in in high school. But it sounds maybe for you, it probably wasn't that different. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. It wasn't different. Okay. Yeah. So okay, was that, I mean, were there, were there any uh, notable what happened and anything exciting happened in there? In college? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I took lessons from amazing trumpet players. This was like classical. All the oh way. yeah, it was classical. Susan Slaughter, first trumpet player in the St. Louis Symphony, woman trumpet player. That's awesome. Yeah, I was totally like into her. I studied with everybody in a symphony orchestra. The guy in the Boston Pops, guy in the Philadelphia Orchestra, St. Louis Symphony, Mm -hmm. Columbus Symphony, like all symphony players. So, but you, I mean, I've never known you to play classical music, but I met you much later, obviously. But did you come out of school and were like trying to get orchestra jobs? Yeah. Auditions and stuff? Well, I didn't want to play in an orchestra. Okay. But I wanted to, like, play in a brass quintet. Like, that was my dream. Mm-hmm. Like, that was what I wanted to do. Like, chestnut brass or something like that. Like, yeah. 
I wanted to play trumpet in a brass quintet. And I loved my Christmas gigs because it was all brass quintet. And my dirty little secret is that I love playing Christmas music in a brass quintet. That's great. <laughs> and um, I did that and played piccolo trumpet in churches and played in chamber orchestras and did a lot of weddings playing piccolo trumpet and just gigging around. Where? Here. Here. Back, in you the moved area. back here after you finished college or Well, while I was here You were already doing that. I was I was doing that, but then I went to I stopped doing that and I went to Rosemont College and got an English degree. Oh. Yes. Because I got married. Okay. To this guy who took my life in a different direction. I've only heard tiny snippets of all this. Well, you're not going to hear much more. That's what I figured. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave Savor that for those season tiny three. snippets, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> so that was in your 20s? That was in my 20s, So yeah. your life got taken off into a different direction for yeah. a period in your 20s. From 23 to 33. Okay. Yeah. From 20 to uh, the 30. Okay. Yeah. But really 33. Okay, so that was the Sandler, right? I won't ask much more yeah, questions. Yeah, that was the it. Sandler. Because when I met you... Was I were, a Sandler? You were still a Sandler. Okay. You were still billed as Susan Sandler yeah. somewhere at Clez Camp. Yeah. But you might have been like 33 then. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. When was that? 15 years ago? I got divorced when I was 33. Uh-huh. I'm 51. So... so was that 18 years or something like that? So that was only a couple years after. Okay, so I was still Susan Sandler. I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe it was sort of like you were both, but I was yeah. like, who's this Susan Sandler person? Yeah. And I guess we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally fine. It started with my mother. I was, uh, she went to Wesleyan and Slobin and Hankus brought hers, uh, Slobin, was, was it, anyway, she was at Wesleyan. Mark. Yeah, Mark Slobin. Yeah. Um, and they featured her there okay. in a symposium and she went to Clez Camp. She called me. I was in Pittsburgh with Sandler. Of which we will speak no more. She called me in Pittsburgh and she said, You gotta come home and play this music with me. <laughs> you know, I was wanting to leave Pittsburgh. So basically, I came home. I left Sandler and became Hoffman Watts. <laughs> That's pretty deep, right? Yeah. That's for real, right? Not yeah. just like, just not just in name, like right? In everything. Yeah. Wow. Things were still cooking in the klezmer scene. Like you could get gigs. Oh yeah, I was working like crazy. I had a I had a chair in New York. I was working I was working in New York like four days a week and I was three days a week in New York and then I was working here teaching. I didn't have that many gigs, but I had a shitload of students. And and I played Klezmer gigs and you know, all over and I toured with Frank for a bunch of years and played with the Klez dispensers and Mikva and yeah. just all sorts of 
gigs here and there, little things and concerts and play with my mother and just very vibrant and active, beautiful time. Yeah, it was. But that was a completely different kind of music making, like in every sense than what you had done up until that point, basically. Right. Like Mm -hmm. you weren't. You know, in the trumpet section, I mean, maybe if you you said you like quintet music, mm-hmm, so like that's mm-hmm. intimate. People see you. Well, I was also used to being in a in a in a popular music ensemble of a quartet or a quintet because right. of these green sheet jobs. Right. Which so you, was like jazz. It was like my mom on drum kit, some kind of corded instrument, a bass, mm-hmm. and some other, uh, usually a sax and clarinet guy. Yeah. And then me on trumpet. I guess like what what I'm thinking of is like, what was it like to encounter all these wild people, you know, like Frank London or Mark Rubin or Aaron or people who are like doing all these kind of creative, wild out, out there music as well as Klezmer, stuff like that. Did that feel new? Did that feel like more of the same? You know, how did that strike you? Did it open up new things for you or... How did it strike me? I guess it. I never thought of it as anything special. I was like, "Oh, that's Frank London. Oh, that's Mark Rubin. Yeah. Oh, that." It never struck me. I mean, I've known musicians my whole. I've known people who were doing creative things and traveling and my whole life. Gotcha. I've known musicians my whole life, so yeah. these were others. Just other musicians. Yeah. I know for me, when I, mm, it was just a big reinforcement of something, you know, of like where I was thinking I could go. You know, I thought like when I got to the end of high school, I thought I could play klezmer music. I was just discovering stuff and I could play weird avant-garde music. And then I met all these people who did those things and were part of something bigger. It was like really exciting. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, for you, it was just like, it's more, it oh, more cool guys. Yeah. More cool guys and unbelievably cool music. Yeah. I mean, I, I learned so much during those years at Klez Camp and Klez Canada and hanging like 24, like serious hanging, right? like traveling together, hanging, and hanging, like spending the weekends with each other, like, like soup, but like playing, like all the fucking time. Right, you could you play know? all the time. Yeah, if you wanted. we played all the time. There was demand for it all the time. Yeah, was this like Klezmer Brass All Stars, or even before that? It was. It was that was during it. Okay. Yeah. Was that the first sort of big group that you ended up playing, like traveling a lot with? Yeah. And when did I, that get I started? I traveled with. I, I traveled with Josh until I had the heart attack. Right. And then I didn't do it anymore. Right. Yeah. We did that one gig in uh, Hungary. Do you remember that? Yes. The stadium? Yes. It was really weird. Yeah. And then Hungary's like a really weird place, even weirder place Hungary's now. Hungary's a weird place. I don't know if you remember this because you maybe were not on the party side of things, but we were invited to this Hanukkah party at this bar. It was like in the basement of this bar or something like that. And it, it turned out the people who invited us to that were from, there were like two Jewish communities in, in Budapest. And there's one that's like tight with the government. And there's one that's like not tight with the government. Mm-hmm. And this was the one. And the one that had put on the big stadium show was the one that was tight with, tight the, with government. the government. And the one the boy we went to the party of was like not tight with the government. Okay. And so like, I don't know if we got in trouble or anything for that, but it was this idea that like, and nowadays it's actually much worse because the government in Hungary is like really anti-Semitic and like pro yeah. terrible things. And then you have that part of the Jewish community is still like whatever's good for the Jews. Yeah. And then you have yeah. these other people who are like, have gotten in trouble. I think some of those organizations have been like shut down by the government. Oh, wow. Isn't that wild? Yeah, that's bad. But you were traveled to a lot of pretty far-flung Eastern European places. Yeah, I did. I went to, um, 
I guess that's the cue for me to talk about where I went. Because yeah. <laughs> I, right. I was just going to sit there and go, yeah, I did, and quietly remember all those fond memories. <laughs> well, you could do that, but and I'll say, like, so, like, what do you remember? Well, I remember going to Pula with Frank London, and we went to the beach. Pula's in Croatia. And we went to the beach, and the beach there in Croatia is like rocks. It's not like sand. And everybody's naked up top, you know, not so much down below, but everybody's naked. And everybody's got these perfect bodies, these perfect boobs, you know, and I couldn't believe there were naked people on this rocky beach. (laughs) (laughs) So you were just like playing, you're playing your butt off, just trying to do all this stuff. How, How often were you touring back then? We toured like 10 days, two weeks at a time. I think it was Josh that I toured like six weeks with. But it was like two weeks at a time. And I don't know, we went out a few times a year. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And was this all with Boban Markovich Orchestra or uh, not always? No, not always. But you did tour with them a lot. Oh, yeah. Twice. Twice. Mm-hmm. And those, so like two, two, two-week tours with them. Maybe more. Maybe we did do more. Or maybe those tours we were We toured with them. For, maybe they were longer. We were with them for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys are touring machines. They're machines. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like being around that? Well, it was more the prostitutes that struck me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. God, I feel like I had been warned on that one Hungarian gig, and I was just like, quit wasn't prepared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So okay, I got to. Exp- I saw that once, right? What was that? But that was like every night. Oh yeah, Jesus! They're like whoremongers. It's crazy. Yeah. Sounds exhausting. You're serious. <laughs> yeah. Talk about misogyny. Right? Ooh, they're the kings. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. You were all in the midst of that. Yeah. Yeah, I was fucked up. Yeah. They didn't know what to do with me. Yeah, right? Because you were, you were play- <laughs> the way you were playing, it was rather undismissible. <laughs> they didn't know what to do with me. But that's okay. Yeah. yeah. It was okay. I got along with them. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody spoke English, so it wasn't hard. <laughs> I know. We just yeah. passed good feelings back and forth. But right. <laughs> other than that. I mean, was so to me, encountering that stuff, meeting people from that part of the world, watching people play brass instruments, for example, in a way that was just like un- inconceivable from like where we were coming from. Oh, yeah. I mean, what was that like, seeing, you know, like, watching the way that they could play those instruments and stuff like that? Well, first of all, the instrument was new to me. I'd never seen a rotary valve flugelhorn, like, played at all. Right. So that what they were playing was interesting to me. The way, it wasn't so much the way they were playing, because I'm totally down with different styles of of doing things. It wasn't that. It was just like how rehearsed they are Uh and like how tight they are and like they're not sloppy like they're clean as shit yeah you know and they can play they can all play their instruments really well yeah and they make like an amazing band it's terrifying in a way yeah I remember that one gig. I almost passed out trying to keep up with those offbeats. Yeah. I mean, that more it says more about my bad technique, but then, you know, like, then the way they were playing, but it was intense. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You get obliterated in front, in, in the midst of that pretty easily. Yeah. Me, me at least. But. Yeah. I mean, they pushed, they pushed me. They pushed Frank, too. Right. Yeah. It's 10 to 1. It's ten to one. It's ten to one. It's ten to one. Ten to one. Ten to one. Ten to one. That you will hear her say. 
time I knew just where I stand. With you, boy, 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 you, boy, 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 my heart's no clock, no ticky, 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 ticky clock that I can stop and wind up each time we make up after being thrilled up and 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 it's coming back in a way that you haven't had in a while. Ever. Ever. Well, because now my mother's not here, and it adds this whole new dimension of, like... Every generation of my family that was a klezmer got to do what made them look best. Because, like, my grandfather, like, he did everything. Like, he played the xylophone and played the piano and my mother. Like, they were, they were seen on their own, each generation. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like it's my generation's turn to be seen on my own. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I got this grant to do this amazing project that I feel like has been an unfolding blessing and um, it's going to happen October 28th of next year. Yes. And um, that's a Sunday, so mark your calendars. (laughs) Seriously. Yes. Um, And 12 of the most amazing women artists, klezmers, um are going to get together. It is not a complete list. It was just as many as I could gather within the parameters of the grant. And um, there are more. Yeah. And I wish I could include everybody. Um, so we're all getting together, and Jenny Romaine is doing the set design. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we're all going to play new compositions, mostly by the people in the ensemble, mostly by the women. We're all going to play each other's music. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I can't think of anything like that. Yeah. You know. So what, what, what's the project called again? Well, you You're know. You're working on it. You know how I have problems, like, committing to a name? Yeah, I don't know if that's true, but I believe it's you. It's true. It's like it's Susan Sandler, then it's Susan. Oh, okay. Then it's Susan Watts, and then it's Susan Hoffman Watts, and then Josh Dolgan used to call me Hots Waffman. <laughs> that makes sense. And then it's Lankin, and then it's Lankin Watts, and then it's Watts Lankin. You know, I can never settle on one thing. Okay. I just, that's that's why I can't get my initials printed on anything, any of my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> it's an evolving initial. That's okay. <laughs> These days, people are really uh, down with however you're <laughs> thinking of yourself, you know? That's true. They, yeah. that's something. Yeah, so you should just feel like you're... On, you're right in there with everybody. Okay, here I am. Yeah. Look at me. I'm we know with Susan. Everybody. I think we settled on that <laughs> so far. But you know, there's been a lot of things. You were building sort of more klezmer music in Philadelphia for a number of years now. Yeah. I mean, I've been I've been trying to um I mean, basically after my heart attack, I felt like well, I didn't feel like I, I, I wasn't allowed to travel for a long time, you know. And so um, traveling, I haven't traveled, you know. And then I went through a time where I was just having really bad health problems and I couldn't travel again. And um, I'm like, how can I bring this shit here I can't go anywhere. How can I bring it here to me? And so I try to start things in the community to have a scene, to have a, to have a, like, so that I don't have to go places for shit. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then there were those jams out in Mainline Reform Temple. Mm -hmm. And those were pretty big sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They've been up to like 88 people. That's really big. Yeah. You know, it was like a mix of all all the people. Yeah. And then you were doing the community bands here, and we've done these dance parties. And I sort of have my little, like, West Philly outpost of things. And... I mean, how do you feel about it? I feel like the like the jams went up and down and then the community things have sort of gone up and down a little bit. Like, But do you feel like there's more klezmer here than there was? Well, I think there's more klezmer here than there was because we're here. Yeah. Like, I mean, physically there's you and there's me. Right. <laughs> and we're more klezmer because there really isn't any klezmer here. Yeah, right. But what you're doing is awesome because you're making like it happen in your community. I'm not so much trying to make it happen in my community. I'm trying to make it happen like like I want 25 different yous. <laughs> yeah. to go into all the areas and and have like klezmer I don't know. No, I think about that all the time, yeah. especially being around here. One of the I have like a bunch of background questions in for this podcast and like in in the course of interviewing people and one of the questions is sort of like how do we make more of us you know no what and do you mean like you know people who are making things happen people who are getting the music into people's hands and making bands and putting out records or maybe oh, writing oh, new music yeah. you know mm-hmm. uh, or trying to do stuff. But also people who are doing that mm-hmm. and then like kicking the music's ass. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that. When you don't have, it has to be both. For me, mm-hmm. maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I'm trying to figure this out because I look mm-hmm. to, like I've looked to like old time scenes and I just see there's like tons of people who play the music really with the right feeling. You know, there's some people who are like the best technicians you've ever heard. And there's some people who are not the best technicians that you ever heard. But the people who are not the best technicians that you've ever heard still kind of get it and do it right. And in Klezmer, I feel like we're kind of missing that. You know, there, there's something about the, I don't know, maybe it's maybe maybe none of this is true. And it's just that there are very few of us. And that's just the bottom line. Yeah, I think there's very few of us. I mean, I think, I think that there's more people interested in old time than there are in Klezmer. Probably. I think there's more people interested in old time than there ever will be. <laughs> like, I just I just don't think, like, I mean, old time is huge. Right. I, I don't know. But Klezmer kind of felt huge for a minute, right? Where? You mean here in, in no, America? No, not in Philadelphia, but oh. just, like, as a professional pursuit or as oh. a... Do you know what I mean? Like, you're talking about being touring six weeks at a time or being busy and almost moving to New York playing this playing exclusively klezmer like that's not a that's not happening now no a that's not happening now and b like that makes it feel like maybe there's a ton of people interested in it you know what i mean i guess so yeah i'm thinking a lot about what this klezmer world looks like today and what it needs and for me i keep wanting more people who are like kicking ass Mm-hmm. And I just don't. I'm waiting. Uh, maybe maybe I'm missing them. Well, I, I, I humbly hope that I am the next person you think is kicking ass, because I don't know. Something happened after my mother died. Like I'm in like this different playing space like it's different and I've I've never had this circumstance before of like not having my mother there not like not playing with her is is weird (laughs) you know I had this gig Saturday night and and I was I was talking about her because it was like a memorial but like she wasn't there it wasn't like I was up there playing those songs without her. It was kind of weird. Yeah. But I decided that 
we decided a week after my mother died to keep doing that concert. We were going to show the documentary and then have the concert with my mother. So we can't do that, obviously. So a week after my mother died, I spoke to Marsha, who's a lovely lady from from uh, the synagogue and uh, she said look I I want I want you to still do the concert if you're able to and we'll still show the documentary and you know we'll do the concert in her memory and so I felt like I wanted to do this myself like I wanted to go out there on my own with nobody, with nobody else playing the melody or switching back or, I I don't know, I just, I just wanted to be there with my mom and um, these amazing musicians, like Adrian is like playing with an angel and Brian Glassman and... This guy, Joe Soprani, who's my mom's friend, amazing, like these amazing musicians who make it this awesome experience, who who love my mom, who are like totally into my mom. It was a really special concert. It was really special. Yeah. But I got to play my trumpet in such a such a different way than playing with Frank or playing with Mikvah or playing or singing with the class dispensers. I like I got to do it in a different way. And um, I I have to say I loved it. <laughs> that sounds good with me. <laughs> I did love it. And and my C D is me. You know, there's a lot of stuff that I wrote on there. And um there's a lot of, you know, I'm sure the first two songs that I chose to put on the CD, people are like, that's not Klezmer. <laughs> Who knows what Klezmer is? <laughs> and whatever it is, whatever it was, is definitely not what it is. That's for sure. I was actually listening to the CDs and I was like, these are pretty out. There's some out moments on there. You know, you took things pretty out sometimes, played these big rubato versions of the tunes. Oh, yeah. Is it, Your mom is, like, improvising, is, like, playing all this rubato drum stuff? No, my mom's... my. She well, didn't play on those tracks? She didn't play on those tracks. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I sent the second track over, too, as the, this, like, oh, this is... You want to learn how to play a vulgar beat? Just, just do this one. <laughs> That'll take care of all of it. Yeah. But, yeah, so... Those records were pretty adventurous already, I think, in some ways. Yeah. You know, you're playing a lot of rubato, almost like free playing. You got some, there's some like, yeah. you know, that's yeah. pretty cool. So, you know, you've already gotten this, there's a lot of seeds out there for you. I, I've never heard anybody talk about my CD. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know what people think about the CD. Well, I, I don't just, know what people think about it. I mean, I don't know what you think about it. So I'm, I'm telling you. I know. I like listening to it. <laughs> people should go out and listen to I Remember Klezmer and Hearts Club. <laughs> There's really good stuff on both of them. Yeah. Cool. And it sounded like you put a lot of effort into both of those, too. I mean, I did. There's a lot of arranging, especially on Hearts Club. Yes. And there's a lot of musicians on it, too. Yes. Also, I forgot about this. There's a lot of good klezmer trombone playing on there from Rachel Levish. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, there you go. Like, you know, I'm, I've got my new CD, and we're talking about klezmer melodies on trombone all the time. She's playing a lot of it on there. It sounds yeah. great. Yeah. Those are good CDs that people, you know, I think may, it sounds different. than. I mean, they sounded different to me today than I remember them sounding, because I know I'd listened to them before. Okay. You know, and maybe it is like kind of like what you said about this. We're in a different time now. And, you know, your mom's not around anymore. And it's going to sound different because of that. All these things. Ten years have passed. I've played with you all a lot more than I had then. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
So you do get a chance to reinvent yourself or just invent, continue inventing yourself. Yeah. Right? That's what you're saying is you're yeah. still becoming, right? I'm becoming. So this project, we should talk more about this new project, though. Yes. And we should also shout out to uh, Tony Shapiro-Pim and yes. Selena, what's her last name? Morales. Selena Morales from the Philadelphia Folklore Project, without whom many of the things that we're into would not happen. That is correct, my dear. <laughs> we love the Folklore Project. I do, too. We do. You know, And they've been such big backers of you and your mom, too. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's great. It is believable because yeah. it's happened. Yeah. But it's great. What is your vision for this project of bringing 12 women plus Jenny Romaine to do this performance that's going to be all new music? Well, <clears throat> that's also evolving. Sure. But um, I have two tracks of thinking. The one track is the performance, which I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to get to do more than once. And the other component is the week that the women are together. Like, I want to give equal thought into that because I think it's a rare opportunity to have such amazing, talented, smart, um, savvy women, loving, um, feminist women, artists together. Yeah. You know, and we're, we have a cluster of suites in this hotel. Oh, the Folklore Project is treating us like goddesses. As you should be. Oh, my God. Tony said to me, Susan... I don't want you to think about anything this whole week but what you're there thinking about. Yeah. Like only the music, only each other. I wanted to do some social justice stuff while we were here to see if, I don't know that we're going to, but I'm going to try and fit it in there if I can. I want it to be a special time for us. You know, and I, I don't know how that looks right now. <clears throat> well, you know, it hasn't happened before, so it's not surprising yeah. that you're not exactly sure what it's going to look like. Yeah. You know, this is exciting. I can't think of anything like this in Klezmer. I mean, Mikva was half that size, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was really great. Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. yeah. So this will be twice as great. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but... um. But no, I think it's really exciting the idea that you could guys could you all could spend your time together and really build a relationship, build something really special without it having to be like the Klez Camp model where you're just on giving mode, you know, twenty three hours a day. No, it's not like that. We're yeah. we're we're not there as teachers. Right. We're there as peers mm -hmm. you know <clears throat> we're there as friends we're we're friends you yeah. know and especially if you want to do it more often it's almost like you're starting a really big chamber orchestra or something <laughs> like that yeah yeah that's you know, exciting i yeah. think i mean i can't wait it's gonna be who knows what's gonna happen yeah and all new music too because that's really important <sighs> it's so important yeah i mean like, what are people, you know, I know you're trying to get young people excited, but it's like, what about Klezmer are people going to hear? It's kind of like what you were saying from us that's going to make them want to hear it more. Totally. You know what I mean? So It's a big question. I don't know. I just think we should do our shit. And put it out there and and let people like glom on and love it for what it is. Yeah. I mean, aren't you getting a good response for your album? Absolutely. Well, there you go. You're putting your shit out there. You gotta do it. And people are going, Oh, I like that. Yes, I like Klezmer. Oh, what do these people do in the summer? Oh, they go to Canada. <laughs> yeah, well, this is great. I mean, it's about time for a new uh Susan. 
something something <laughs> project. But you know, you can think. Hopefully, you'll be able to find a name that you all really like. How about Susan something something? Yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Susan something something probably Watts, but you know. So, are you have you started composing anything or thinking about it yet? Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, I I'm I'm I have most of my sections done for a waltz that I wrote. Great. Because that whole tradition of ending the evening with a waltz, I love that. Oh, I love it too. So I like ended Saturday night with a waltz. Of course. Because I just like that tradition. So I wrote a waltz. Great. And I wrote this crazy... Interval E on the staff to G above the staff. Freilich. Nice. Yes. <laughs> Perfect timing for yes. all these uh yeah, you know, chapter seven in Fluxus or whatever chapter is there's it's really they, they it address that very comes clearly. out comes out in your playing. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The 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 etude Freilich. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna write that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Well, I'm excited to f- hear all the new things that are coming up, Susan. I know. Me too. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, you've got so much new music coming up in I your life. I know. And you say the trumpet's going really well. Yes. Wow. Yes, I'm I'm thrilled with how my trumpet's going. That's exciting cuz yeah. I, I feel like I haven't ta- heard you talk about it like that in a long time. Oh my gosh, I'm working on my double tonguing and my triple tonguing like a fiend. Yes. <laughs> this is what we need. We need all the power of Susan something something out there. It's going to Some- be great. Susan I can't wait till the next something. time we get to rock out together. <laughs> Susan something something. You said it. That's right. I like it. You can take it. Okay. (laughs) I I give you all the permissions. Well, that's it for today's episode featuring the great trumpet player, Susan Watts. I had a lot of fun talking to her. She is awesome. She's hilarious. She's a trip. Visiting her is always great. Playing with her is always great. Um, yeah, what a treat. You know, after college, I moved back to Philadelphia instead of doing something like, I don't know, moving to New York. And one of the great things that I've gotten to do here is play with Susan a lot and with her mom, Elaine, a lot. I know it changed the way that I approached this music and I think music in general. Both of them are super deep musicians and just really amazing people. So, you know, we miss Elaine a lot, and I'm just really excited for Susan and all the great things that she has coming up. The main thing that she has coming up is on October 28th at the Zellerbach Theater at the Annenberg Center in West Philly, she and many other of the best women klezmer musicians are going to be presenting a program of all-new klezmer music. I know that you're going to hear about that a lot more from her and, I think, from this podcast. Other things that are coming up, registration for Klez Canada 2018 is already open. So from August 20th to the 26th, you can join me and a bunch of other of these people who have been featured on this podcast and many, many, many others in the Laurentian Mountains in Canada, north of Montreal, for a week of intense Yiddish music, Yiddish culture, and a ton of fun. And I still have a fairly new album out. It's also called Radiant Others. You can get it from Bandcamp at danblacksburg.bandcamp.com. So if you haven't picked up a copy, please go and check it out. You can listen to it there. And if you want to get either a digital or a CD version of it, I would encourage that. All right. Well, that's it for this time. We'll be back in another two weeks with the uh, amazing ethnomusicologist, singer, and all-around incredible person, Ethel Rehm. So stay tuned. And I'll see you in two weeks. And in the meantime, good Shabbos.
make my own. Really? And they're fucking out of this world. No kidding. Yes. How much oil do you use, though? Well, I don't use oil. Tell me about this. <laughs> I go to the Colonial Village mm -hmm. and I buy chip steak. Right. And I take it home and I cut it four ways. So it's in little squares. Mm -hmm. So that when I heat it in a pan, I just put a little bit of oil in the pan just so it doesn't stick. I heat it in the pan, it, it curls up like you want it to. Yeah. I make onions and mushrooms. Okay. I saute them. Yeah. I get these ridiculous rolls from Colonial Village where they have four different Italian bakeries deliver rolls That's there. That's so the key, right? It, it's, it's the key. I get these rolls. I put them on the roll. And this is so trafe, okay? <laughs> I mean, so is a cheesesteak, so. Well, this is a cheesesteak. Yeah. And and I put the onions and the shit on it and the mushrooms. And then I sprinkle. Here's the key. The key is this six-blend Italian cheese from Luzerne. It's Acme's store brand. Or any blended cheese brand and put that on. Yeah. And melt that shit. Okay. Oh, it's delicious. 